the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Rocking and rolling as we get here instantly to recap week 12. It is 11.34 p.m. Eastern Time right now. I see Fresno State kind of handling business. I see San Jose State not handling business. But most of our, you know, hay is in the barn, as they say, uh, as we join you moments after uh, the thicker kicker comes up again. We'll get to that in a little bit. I don't know what that was about that last one second. I don't even know if it matters. We will get to uh, a super just devastating and significant injury to a top five team. Um, Texas holds on. Uh, Jerry kills magic against Hugh Freeze continues to work year after year. Um, and Chip Kelly, we spent 16 minutes talking about the idea that he might be fired, but I don't know. Maybe he's not. We'll get into that and more as UCLA defeats USC 38 to 20. Uh, tomorrow's top 25 today. Lots to go down, but of course, we're going to begin with that showdown in Corvallis. A little bit wet, not windy, but awfully wet. And it is the Huskies winning 22-20 to 20 at Oregon State. Um, at one point, it seemed like the Huskies' defense was on the field for, I don't know what, the entire third quarter? It's like a 10-minute drive. Yeah. So. I mean, because that's the play in that in those conditions when you are Oregon State's offense is to, just like we said, limit the number of times that Michael Penix touches the ball, lean on an offensive line that is excellent, a running back in Damian Martinez who is very, very good, and yet you're still only held to 20 points. I, to, to me, the, the headline out of this one, Tom, Tom, I'll throw to you first, but like the headline out of this one is um, questions answered. You know, like the, they showed they could go against a really good team in some adverse conditions when you're not just going to be able to chuck it all over the yard because it was not a not a accurate, you know, not 
I don't want to criticize Penix individually. I don't want to make apologies. I thought Oregon State's defense did a good job, but you know, Penix did not produce up to his season averages or standards anywhere close to it. And you were still able to win when you are an undefeated team and it's November 18th. That to me is impressive. To be fair to Michael Penix, to be critical of the stat broadcast box score, the stat broadcast box score only has Washington listed for two drops. Buddy, <laughs> there were a lot more than two drops in that game on I think both I've got sides. Four, of the ball. Right? Oh, there were like 55 drops. Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> when the raid really started coming down, everybody was dropping everything. Um, yeah, like this is a Washington team that we have seen kind of go through it all year. They came out really, really hot, blowing people out. Then there was the flu or whatever that went through the team and they struggled and they gutted it out and they got wins even though they weren't playing pretty. And then, you know, like you get to a game like this, like the last few weeks, like this is a gauntlet part of their schedule going from Utah to USC and now on the road to Oregon State. Like that's a really difficult stretch of games. And they kind of, as we talked about, like when the three smart ones on the show took the under in this game, the non-traitorous one of the ones of us, <laughs> like... <laughs> We, we, we mentioned how, like, this is a Washington team that the last few weeks has kind of been changing its identity on offense, has been leaning more and more on the run game, and that came in handy again tonight. Like, Dylan Johnson didn't have the same kind of overall performance he's had the last few weeks, but he did finish with 89 yards on 16 carries. He got some key first downs for him, helped him move the chains. And then Roma Dunza had the, you know, the only guy who could catch out there tonight, seven catches for 106 yards and two touchdowns. So, like, to see them kind of change their identity on offense to find different ways to win, to find different ways to score. And then on the defensive side of the ball, get stops. Like, obviously, the rain and the weather tonight played a big role in how this, you know, in both defenses getting stops. Like, if this was perfect weather, it's probably not a 22-20 to game. But still, to see the Huskies playing well on defense in a game like this on the road when they absolutely need it, I mean, this is a team that, you know, I still think when they, assuming they all get there, I still think Oregon probably wins the rematch. But mm. they're they're showing themselves they're they're capable of winning in a lot of different ways. They don't have to play. You you see a lot of teams. It's like they play one way, and if you force them to play a different way, they've got no idea what to do. This team can play a lot of different ways. They can win a lot of different fights. I think Tom nailed it there. Honestly, like, like Washington, that was that was gutty, right? right. Like, you, you had to go play Oregon State on Oregon State's turf, on Oregon State's terms. Like, normally, a little bit of rain actually favors scoring. That much rain does not favor scoring, no. right? Like, that, that like, materially impacts the flight of the ball. I was like, oh, okay, we are we are in trouble here, boys. This is not getting to the over here. I, you know, you see it rain, okay, cool, and then it's like, oh, we got that level of rain. This is not going to work. But what also didn't work, was Oregon State's red zone offense. And mm. the broadcast had noted they had been number one in points per trip to the red zone, I believe, right? Or or maybe just how often they, they scored. Definitely. I don't really there. care. Yeah, like I don't really care how often you score. I care how often you score touchdowns. And in four trips in the red zone, the Beavers had one touchdown. Now, part of that was their offense. Part of that was Washington standing up. And standing up, honestly, guys, like without a lot of, of their better players. I mean, they're all like, hey, this good D lineman's on, on the sideline, and this one's on the sideline, and their stud middle linebacker's out, and they mm. got a safety out, and this guy went down. And, and it, like, you just had different guys stepping up for Washington all the time. And, like, that is 
that's the mark of a good team that they, they can throw multiple pitches, right? Okay, maybe the curveball is not working tonight. We got to rely on the changeup, and they got it done. Like that was a really impressive thing for me to see. Like they keep winning, and the championship games in Vegas, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guess what? Probably not going to have a whole lot of rain inside that dome. So, if Washington can handle the Apple Cup next week, which Washington State looked fairly decent, guys, I mean, you're, you're not going to have to play any more of those rain ball games, most likely the rest of the way. So, they they're kind of one game away from from being able to play on a fast turf. Like this is going to be, it's going to be interesting. But like they, it's just it's winning ball games ain't easy. It's hard to do, and they just keep doing it. It's really hard to win at Reeser Stadium, too. Like, they don't lose there. To your point, Tom, uh, the gauntlet has been USC, Utah, and Oregon State back to back to back. Those results, uh, 52-42 against USC, 35-28 against Utah, 22-20 against Oregon State. Man, it's it's been sweaty, mm-hmm. but they have come out on the right side of it. And, it you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, conversations about who is uh, – Who's going to be this year's TCU? And maybe it's because they got daggum purple. But you know what? Washington seems to be having that kind of TCU late November flavor of win in different ways. You know, TCU had that late low scoring win against Texas uh, on the way to being in the Big 12 title game. You know, we'll see how that ends up helping or hurting them as they go into, as you mentioned, the Apple Cup. Apple Cup will be in Seattle. That game is going to be next Saturday, uh, 4 p.m. kickoff. And uh, it, I mean, just I, I wasn't planning to spend a lot of time on Dan Lanning disrespecting the man who he was the best man for. <laughs> but, Bud, do you agree with Tom's <laughs> notion that going up against Oregon again in the Pac 12 championship game, even in the wake of this? And look, we just, we were like, Huskies, here are your flowers. You answered all these questions. You're showing us the signs of a championship team. But, but are you still taking Oregon? Well, I, I bet Oregon the first time. I really don't think that there's uh, much reason to dissuade myself of that opinion. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably take Oregon again. Um, but look, like, the, there is kind of the element of, like, Oregon is a really good team. But they're when they're not challenged up front, they can kind of do whatever they want, and Knicks doesn't make mistakes. Not a lot of teams have made Oregon do difficult things this year. Now, I'm not saying that Washington can do that, but they did do that a little bit in the first game. Mm-hmm. Like Muhammad for Muhammad for for UW is a pretty good corner. So, like, can he stick with Franklin? I I don't know. Like, like Oregon to me looks like a better team. It looks like they're improving a little more than Washington is, but they're both like really good teams. So I I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. If you want to allege bum slayer, it ain't for the Huskies. No. That, that would be more like if, if we're going to put that tag on one of the two of them between Washington and Oregon, it would be on Oregon because they just yeah. yes. absolutely crush teams that they are better than. So we'll uh, we'll continue to track that moving forward. Again, a uh, huge win for Washington. So use that. We're going to get into more just sort of big picture ranking stuff in uh, tomorrow's top 25 today in a little bit. But I am projecting that Washington will take over the number four spot. And that is more of the quality of this victory than the news that I think is one of the top headlines coming out of Saturday, which is an absolutely gruesome injury for Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis. Um, your 
you're looking at a slow start for the Seminoles. North Alabama goes up uh, 13 to nothing. They score a touchdown, miss the extra point. Everyone kind of scrambles to get to the CW, which, of course, the C and CW stands for cursed. Um, because if you're a favorite, you lose. And if you're a favorite by a billion against an FCS team, you lose your quarterback. Because apparently those are the rules of this. Just kidding. CW, y'all have been awesome. James Bates, you're my guy. Your reading of Love Island, of F-Boy Island uh, promos are fantastic. It's true. I don't know if you ever heard James Bates read an F-Boy Island mm-hmm. promo. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. elite. So I want to give credit <laughs> while also acknowledging the absurd results that have happened in this particular television time slot. But on a serious note, but like, how about this on number one, you know, you're you're just sort of general thoughts, but to spin this thing forward, we got to see a lot of Tate in this game and you've known this quarterback for a long time. So with the acknowledgement that all judgment and expectations of the Seminoles for the rest of this season, which has been like shifting for the program. You know, first ACC championship game since 2014. You're on the verge of being back in the playoff for the first time since 2014. No matter what happens from here on out, you have already put yourself in a position where you have leveled Mike Norvell in his, his climb has leveled up to a place where Florida state expects to be. So what are we going to get out of Tate and what, just sort of your general thoughts on uh, on Jordan Travis and what was a, a really tough injury. Yeah, so I, I thought that Washington was going to jump FSU if they had won the game anyway. Like we we I think we said it on Thursday show. Like it just their, their resume would be better than what the Knowles have through eleven weeks or twelve. With the weeks. Win. What, what, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Assuming they won, I mean, it, right. At the time we were discussing, they were not they were an underdog. So, um, and it's basically like if you went out, you're in. Now. I'm sure we'll get into that later on because the whole Cardale Jones thing and whatnot. But like Tate is unquestionably in my mind a downgrade from Jordan Travis. Like Tate isn't terrible, but I don't necessarily think he's like maybe like best case is good, but I'm 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 very skeptical of that, honestly, right? Like, but we have seen him come in and kind of not panic and win games in the past. Like last year they were down to Louisville. Jordan Travis gets rolled up and he leads him to a big second half comeback on a Thursday night. So I guess it's it's you know foreseeable or possible that they can still win two more ball games, but they could also lose to Florida and they could also lose to Louisville, right? Like, like if if they win both, I'll be pretty damn impressed. That was it, it. Just really sucks for Jordan, man. I mean, like the guy the guy's worked so hard. He's had a bunch of injuries. He's having an awesome season. I mean, I don't think he was going to win the Heisman. I think there's some shot he could have gone in New York, but, like, obviously not now. Uh, but, I mean, just – my hope is just he doesn't have, like, long-term damage, right? Like, that looked bad, really bad. Like, the mm-hmm. cart came out – like, the cart's, like, running out there, like, as everybody else is running out there to check on him. Like, you, you could just see it on the broadcast. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a clear downgrade. It sucks for the Knowles. It really sucks for Jordan. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really have much else to add to it. Um, it felt like Dennis Dixon, except they didn't lose. You guys remember Dennis Dixon in 07? Yeah. yeah, of course. Uh-huh. Yeah, when, when his, his leg kind of just looked like Alvin Mack. Yeah. It's just, it's... Or Jason Kendall. Oh, ugh. 
Yeah. Let's let's just go. Let, let's just name old gruesome injuries. Oh, um, yeah, no, let's not. Actually. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's the just trying to spin it forward, trying to you know put it aside as best as you can. It's like the Florida team they're going to face next week is also going to have a backup QB. Graham Mertz looked like he broke his collarbone to me tonight yeah, against Mizzou, so Max Brown will be starting for Florida. So, I mean, obviously. It's going to be difficult without Jordan Travis, but I still think Florida State can win next week. I think the real question comes in the ACC championship game. But yeah, it's 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 a terrible injury, and there was never going to be a good time for it to happen. But this is a really bad time for it to happen. Chat wants to know, like, will they make it if they went out without yeah. Jordan Travis? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I I think we'll have to see. Like, how how does he look? We only have one data point on this. I mean, if right? Ohio State and Michigan are going to play next week, so one of them is going to get knocked That's out. That's fair. So if Florida State wins out and Washington wins out, yeah. they're both getting in. And then it's going to be the other either two SEC teams or an SEC team and a Big 12 champion. The only one we have is what, Cardale? Yeah. For what? For backup For like QBs. The precedent of like losing your quarterback. Now, obviously, with the BCS, we had Winky uh, when, when he broke his neck. Right, mm-hmm. right, but that was BCS. That wasn't so much a, a committee. I, I tend to think that they. It's certainly not automatically disqualifying, but I think they would have to see how they look. And how everything else shakes out, but it, uh, do you want to set the precedent for keeping an undefeated team out from Power yeah. Five conference? Probably not. You don't want to trot out the selection committee chair Boo Corgan to say. Well, they're thirteen and zero, and they won the ACC championship, but but the ACC sucks. Yeah, says NC State <laughs> athletic director Bruce Corgan. But but like seriously, you you're not going to use that, especially considering the fact that um, beating Louisville will be what minimum a top fifteen win. So let's oh, say it'll Louisville be a top ten win. Well, if if assuming they don't lose to Kentucky, yeah, I'm 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 giving the the safety net. Of losing to right. Kentucky, but the fact that you are a one-loss team going into the final week of the regular season—that is a quality victory for Florida State, one way or the other. In short. oh, easily, yeah. Hey, hey, don't 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 laugh this off. You should be thankful. All right, there was a scenario that had Virginia Tech as the opponent, because then all of a sudden yeah. we are actually very concerned about Florida State status on Selection Sunday if that thirteenth data point is against the Hokies, but it's going to be against a one-loss or two-loss team at a minimum. And speaking of Virginia Tech, that Ohio State team with a third-string QB that got into the playoff that year with one loss, that one loss was to a bad Virginia Tech team. So They also won the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. They did. After being written off by everybody who had no idea how the playoff worked yet. Well, it was the well, it was the first year. Chip, yeah. I knew. I was, we, I was telling all season they, they were going to get in. Coming up on the other side, we'll start to dive into our projections for what the new rankings look like and more reactions from some of the biggest results from across the country, including Texas hanging on for a hard-fought win in Ames. And yeah, like we said earlier, what's the deal with UCLA? Next. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, uh, taking a look at some of our projections for what the new Top 25 AP poll is going to look like. And always at this time of the year, a little bit of an eye to Tuesday's college football playoff rankings release. So I ask you, Georgia, 38-10. Michigan, 31-24. No change at the top, one, two? Nope. No. Okay. Who is more impressive? Georgia by a lot. Okay. Well, yeah. let's talk about Michigan then. Uh, it was the game I thought was going to come. The game that you figure would have to come because they haven't had one all year. And then you consider everything that's going on off the field and just the tough sandwich spot of being between Penn State and Ohio State. It's only natural to think there's going to be some kind of I don't know what you want to call it, a letdown, a slip game. But also remember, like, this same thing, Michigan did the same thing last year. It was this week last year when they nearly lost at home to Illinois. And, you know, then they bounced back and beat Ohio State. They lost Blake Corum in the game, and they nearly lost the game, needed a fourth quarter comeback to win it. Same thing here, although they never lost the lead in this game. So it wasn't, it's, it wasn't their best performance by far, but it was also – I don't know. It's it's one of those games like that Washington's had like a 40 of already that they ended up to hold on to win. It's just it was the first time we've seen Michigan face any kind of adversity. We talked two weeks ago about how Michigan was doing everything right in terms of like there is a lot of signal to beating the breaks off bad teams. Mm-hmm. Right. But there is still a little bit of an unknown of like, how do you play when your first option isn't open? How do you play when maybe you don't have unlimited time in the pocket? Now, you have to be really good up front to have unlimited time in the pocket, right? And you got to be good at receiver to have your first option open all the time, even against bad teams. But now we have about two weeks in a row where this Michigan passing game, it does not feel like it's progressing. It does not feel like it is a major threat. And like I'm sort of downgrading my position on Michigan a little bit. Now, granted... I, I can't really upgrade Ohio State after after watching Kyle McCord f- try to throw it around yet again. Like it, that wasn't good. But like, do you trust Michigan's passing game right now? Like, do you think Michigan can go out and just pound it? Because Michigan lost Hinton or they lost what? Wilson. And, and, they, they didn't and, have and, Henderson to oh, start prime. the game. And, yeah, yeah, and, and they, they didn't have Henderson, and then they lost Hinton during the game, so they couldn't oh, they have Roman Wilson. And Roman Wilson got knocked out of the game. And Roman Wilson got game. knocked out of the game. Yeah, yeah. so they were. They were they were losing guys at an d- alarming rate. That matters. Like you, you can't yeah. lose both tackles. No, 
also related uh that's why i couldn't figure out why the hell everybody like all like just tons of money was coming on tennessee i'm like guys neither of their starting tackles are warming up how do you think that will work against georgia we saw that stuff in the swamp right it didn't work real well when you it, so yeah but no, back sorry back to michigan i the defense is still really damn good i think um Maryland, to their credit, played the, has played them hard and played them well two years in a row. So it's it's funny. Like I, I tweeted it during the game, but I don't think there is a quarterback in the country who has like a wider disparity between their best throws and their worst throws than Talia Tungavaloa. Because like he throws some absolutely beautiful passes that you're like, wow, you know, he looks like his older brother. He looks like he's going to be in the NFL. He keeps slinging those things. And then he just throws the dumbest thing you've ever seen. And it's just, it's, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like you, it's, in college, you see a lot of quarterbacks who have good moments and bad, but there's just nobody with the range that Talia has. Georgia, according to CBS Sports Research, the first team in SEC history, three straight 8 no seasons. Damn. Saban's Alabama teams never did it. Um, and it's so funny because in a way it kind of followed a familiar script because Georgia did not score first, (laughs) you know, like, Mm -hmm. and Carson Beck again, like I go back to this Carson Beck's a little bit of that boxer, you know, kind of warms you up the first half wants to to see what you're doing. And, and maybe I should extend this credit to the offensive staff. You know, I want to acknowledge there's a lot of pieces going into this. But Georgia warms you up, figures out what you want to do, throws in its wrinkles, and then just gasses you in the third quarter and beyond. I mean, this this is an, another – it is an affirmation if you believe that Georgia's the best team in the country. And, uh, and I expect that will be reflected in the poll. Is any quarterback – Sorry, go ahead, Tom. No, go. Is any quarterback who is seriously contending to make the playoff playing better than Carson Beck right now in terms of the no. quality of throws they're making? No. Because, like, Nick's had better numbers today, but the throws that Beck was making were much more impressive. Yeah. Nick's is throwing a lot of, like, bubble screens. Yeah. Carson Beck yeah. is just driving balls down the seam. Yeah. Into the, into Be- the, Beck's into the making himself marks. some money, guys. Uh-huh. Like, part of the whole, like, this season's really fun. We have all this uncertainty of this season was – what if Bama doesn't have a quarterback? What if Ohio State doesn't have a quarterback? We know Ohio State doesn't really have one. Bama kind of depends on your opinion of is this real improvement or is it you know less so. Guys, Georgia's got one. And that's kind of annoying for those of us who want, who, who want some chaos. Because <laughs> yeah, no, it's not it's, really good if, if the best roster also has the best quarterback. Michael Penix would be the – Michael Penix, Bo Nix. Penix isn't playing as well as – Carson Beck right now. Right now, yeah. But I'm saying, like, if 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 you're asking for who else is in that conversation, mm-hmm. so it was an interesting pitch. Um, I had as a, a note for another game. I said, "Is Jag Plummer number ten of all the quarterbacks of top ten teams?" Yeah, but that's a conversation for you know later in the show. Um, I, I do want to take an opportunity while we're sitting here in this spot. So Texas 26, Iowa State 16. I will admit I got into this late. You know, like in, in my rotation of games and work, I, I didn't end up jumping into this until it basically felt like the Longhorns had kept 
um, Iowa State at arm's length, you know, and obviously I've been tracking it on the scoreboard, but I didn't I didn't see what had led up to um, the final, I guess, like eight, nine minutes or so. So did y'all get any eyes on this? Start to finish. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Texas had like a mature effort, I thought. They had two explosive touchdowns called back. One was a legitimate penalty. The other one I thought was pretty ticky-tack. And they didn't panic, right? Like they they ran the ball somewhat effectively. Cedric Baxter was kind of dinged, but like he still ran hard in the absence of Jonathan Brooks. I thought Ewers probably looked the best that he had looked since the injury in terms of throwing the ball down the field. They, the broadcast said that, that the staff said he was still limited, but he looked a little better than that. And the constant was that Iowa State could not block Texas' front. Like it was not, it, it was not a competitive fight up front. Iowa State hits like a 66 yarder on fourth and one. Uh, so like to, to kind of bring the game back a little bit closer. But it from the lack of movement Iowa State was getting, I was like, okay, this Texas is gonna have to mess this up on offense and give Iowa State the ball deep in Texas territory if they're gonna lose this ball game. They just it was a different level of athlete up front. Yeah. Um, I have a takeaway from this game that, I mean, Texas played well. I'm not trying to take that from them. But my takeaway is I hope they don't make the playoff. I, I don't really need to see them get the hell beat out of them by whoever they end up playing in the first round. I, I think they have a good defensive line. I think they have a good offensive line. But again, like they cannot finish drives. They need big plays to score touchdowns. Yeah. Like it was a, they had the one 23 yard touchdown. They had a 31 yard touchdown. It's just, they got in the red zone and they, you know, I think they had the field goal, right? I mean, they had one red zone possession and they got a field goal out of it. No, they got a touchdown. My bad. No, wait, no, no. They didn't score at all. They turned it over. That's right. It was Iowa State. So they like, had like three drives in at like the 25. Yeah. And then yeah. they just, they, it's infuriating watching them, honestly. Like they're they should be a lot They're, better than they, they should are. be better. They are they are so much more talented than yeah. the way that it plays out on a down to down basis. And it's so funny because like I think it's better for Steve Sarkeesian if they miss the playoffs. I think you're right. Yeah. Also I, I need them to tackle somebody on these little swing passes. Like yes. please, Texas, <laughs> tackle. Like it, if Texas makes the playoff, they need to sign a pledge. Like, we will work on tackling over Christmas break. Like, I, I need to see that. Please, for the love like, of God. I feel like unless they played Washington in the first round of the playoff, they would get smoked. And the odds of them getting Washington based on the seeding are pretty low because I don't I don't think they're both going to finish two and three. So it's just, yeah, they're going to end up playing Georgia or Michigan. And I just feel like they would get killed by either of them. All right, so shout out to Trey Scott, you know, hook him and all that. Let, let's check the backness meter because this is a fact. First 10 win regular season since 2009. You know, one thing I've always discussed with Texas and the falling short of expectations is that they haven't actually succeeded to what your mind thinks Texas football should succeed for much of the modern college football history. But here in the 2023 season, first time you've got 10 wins in the regular season since you were the national runner-up. And, ooh, Marcel Darius? 
Was that who got Colt McCoy in the that title is, game? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> that was dusty back there. <laughs> Look at that. That's a good pull. Um, yeah. Ever since Colt McCoy got entered in the national championship game, like we, that's what we're hearkening back to. This is the most successful season, most successful regular season since then. So that is at least a mark uh, of growth. At Let's do, uh, while we're sitting here talking about top 25 stuff, two questions, same window. At what point were you comfortable with Oklahoma being successful and winning this football game? Did not pay that. Double zeros? When the clock hit double zeros, and then I still went and checked, and I was like, okay, wait. All right. Um, Yeah, they did not look very good at all. And, like, BYU, again, didn't have Slovis. They played the backup quarterback again. They got a receiver back. I think matters, but still, like that was. And the and the backup quarterback had a hundred yard pick six to help the Sooners in the second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dog. Like it, we circle something and we use it as a reason to defend a lock, right? You know, yeah. you're just like, hey, you know, like Oklahoma's run defense is going to be exploited, and it just becomes a hook that I end up using on the Cover Three podcast on CBS Sports HQ. It's an easy little tagline. But when it keeps showing up, I can't even plead that you're going to get better at it. Mm-hmm. Or at the end of the season, you're just not good. Mm-hmm. It, the fits scheme personnel. I, I I need more time to diagnose this on an Oklahoma run defense front. But for my purposes, it's a weakness and not one that I'm expecting is going to change um, in the next what two one plus one games. They could still make the Big 12 title game, right? But oh, they need man. a lot. They, they need Oak State to lose to. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. I got the Big 12 tiebreakers at this point are just because, like, Texas didn't even clinch yet, right? Like, Texas Dude, can still miss the Big 12 title game. Shout out to Will Backus, who took on the task, which I've done before at CBSSports.com. You know, it's the end of the season. Like, you know what? I'll write the big post that breaks down all of the conference title races. Chip got himself an intern. Tiebreaker. No, 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 no. (laughs) Hey, Will knows ball. Tom, you and I have talked about this. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Will knows ball. Shout out to Will. But he's the only team that's winning in is Oklahoma State, right? Yes. Because they've got all the head to head tiebreakers. They've got it against Oklahoma, Kansas, Kansas State. And now Iowa State lost, which is the team that beat them. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tom, we're still alive, buddy. I know. (laughs) UNLV pulled it out by the skin of their teeth today, too. That was, Um, yeah. (laughs) Similar question. At what point on the clock, maybe it was before triple zeros, (laughs) did you think that Louisville was going to come out of Hard Rock Stadium victorious? Because – we, us gathered here, are all on the winning side of a Lati fight against DK, a.k.a. Danny Kane with K. <laughs> um, 38-31 is your final. Louisville punches its ticket. It is officially in the ACC championship game, as we referenced earlier. Uh, bananas game. Is there anything worse than completing a Hail Mary on the final play of the game and losing? 
Yes. Oh, oh, yes. I was going to. No, I, the answer is yes. It's being four yards short. The only thing worse is being three yards short, right? <laughs> it's like you complete the Hail Mary, but it's your arm can't get it all the way to the end zone. <laughs> no, it got batted down. Uh-huh. At like the two. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but they shouldn't have even gotten a chance. No, that was well, that was Louisville did not play well in this. That, no, no, no. They 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 should have had a much better look at it than that because Mario Cristobal should not have blown that time out when he did. Yeah. Christoph Before the fourth down? down? Yeah. Yeah. So 129 remaining. Uh Miami has fourth and goal, and Louisville comes up with a stop, but they go out there, they get set, they call timeout. That's the timeout you're referencing. Uh, the cards end up coming up with a stop. And then Jacoby George wants a flag for a hold, and he's so mad about it that he pushes his hand up into the face of a defender, gets a flag. So now all of a sudden, instead of handing the Cardinals the ball inside the five-yard line, now they're outside near the 18 or so. They don't move it that far. Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a real cluster coming down the stretch. Um, that was a college football-ass game. It was a college football-ass game. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Hell yeah. But I did not come away impressed. Uh, <laughs> that's, that is, that's Louisville's entire season. It was fun, but I didn't come away impressed. <laughs> Um, I I don't disagree necessarily. I I do trust Brom to scheme up a couple just wide open guys because that's just what he does. I mean, Tom, you've been a you know you've covered the Big Ten forever. Like that, just you're you're, you're going to get that, especially if you play as much man as Miami does, and mm-hmm. and they they eventually got him. Now, I don't think Brom planned to have two little or two Miami defenders run into each other and then Kitchens get juked out like that uh, in in front of. I don't know. I don't, I don't, do we need to talk about the crowd here? Because that was pathetic. I mean, senior senior day, top ten team at home, beautiful day, and you guys do that. Like they announced forty four thousand, which is probably bullshit by half. No, 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 no. Did you hear the C A R D S chant after the Louisville touchdown? Yeah, I mean that. That's and it, oh, it was it was buy one get two free day, and they still it was. Come on, guys. Like, the seniors do. The, I was actually really impressed with Van Dyke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for as hurt as he was, mm-hmm. like, he made some really nice throws. In the first half, I was like, all right, Miami won't keep this up because their main yards right now are on a flea flicker and basically a reverse. Th- this is not sustainable. And he made some, like, big-time throws down the stretch. I was, I was pretty impressed with Van Dyke, man. That was good. I would agree with that. Um also uh, significant because, you know, we're sitting there uh, in the midst of a Latif fight and Miami's cooking. And I, I sat there and I said, if, if you had made an argument on the other side and said, Xavier Strepo missed last week, right? Yes. No, he just got erased. Oh. Uh, well, not erased, but like uh, the FSU covered him. The thing is, Williams doesn't throw the ball to Restrepo a whole lot. But Williams Restrepo throws the, the ball to the like, outside. I mean, Jacoby George has been very good this season, but like yeah. Restrepo is for multiple seasons over been a significant difference maker. And He's so, a good slot. like Braxton Berrios guy. 
Yeah, when he yeah. shows up and he starts making plays, I was like, ah, that's a that was that that was a part of the equation. If, if your argument of why you thought Miami was going to win the game was going to be that you thought the changing quarterback and you know was going to activate this, that, or the other in the passing game, I I, I probably would have listened to that. I will say that while all of us are sitting here on the winning end of a Latif fight and the cornerstone of that being a Brom versus Cristobal principle, right? Like when it comes down to it, it's a coin flip game. Who are you going to take in a close game? Oh, if it's a close game, if, if it's gotten long enough to where it's a close game, you, you kind of know how this is going to go, I think. Um, but it, I, yeah, it was, it was a solid effort from, uh, from Miami. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not totally out on the canes in terms of the team on the field, but your, your criticisms are duly noted. Felica, uh, the bear, did you see what he tweeted? Uh, uh-uh. please let Boston college be a dog next week. <laughs> he apparently thinks they're going to quit. <laughs> I feel like Ruben Baines hit kind of a freshman wall because he was a monster earlier in the year. And then like tonight, like or today, didn't really have an impact. Miami is entire defense didn't really have an impact. They had three tackles for loss in the entire game. No sacks. Just, I don't know. I think just, yeah, because I, I really think he's a very good player, but he's just been kind of eh, the last couple of weeks. Shout out to Oklahoma State for avoiding what would have been a colossal failure God. on multiple levels. Um, they end uh, up winning at Houston. <laughs> Did you watch this, Tom? I tried not to. <laughs> I was. I had been watching it. I was, then at one point I was just like, all right, I'm just going to – I got other stuff I need to do for work. I'm just going to keep the box score on the screen here and just see what's going on and, you know, worked out in the end. It was like they were on mountain time. Because they started, they legitimately started two hours later. Literally, yeah. I was like, Oklahoma (laughs) State, the game has started. Like, please do anything at this point. And and they really, like, after like the first 10 minutes of the game, they dominated it. Good. But it was a horrendous, horrendous start. Yeah. I watched the first quarter and I was just like, I don't need this in my life right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hey, we did say that this is self care Saturday. Self care Saturday. Okay, no, so. okay. bad bad game between bad teams. You don't need that. They'll figure it out. We'll catch up <laughs> with it on Sunday. We need the good. We need the good energy. Okay, so that's that's how we finish strong. Ollie Gordon, two huge touchdown runs. Uh, Oklahoma State, ferocious pass rush. Like the last forty minutes or so. Oh, somebody tipped us that Matt Campbell is a big wrestling fan. So come Monday, we will need to update our which Big Twelve coaches watch wrestling. Is Matt Campbell like a big WWE wrestling fan, or is he just like a wrestling fan? I don't know. Like those Mount oh, like Union college guys, wrestling? I think, I yeah, think yeah, they're yeah, just into wrestling. I, <laughs> I mean, c- consider your average Iowa State football player. Don't they definitely look like they were a wrestler? That's... Like a college wrestler. Not a confetti shoots out. Oh, in the... Dude. Like the, the way Matt Campbell wears his hat, he strikes me as college wrestling fan. <laughs> just we, the... Do we need to consider that Oklahoma State could beat Texas? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like Oklahoma State does force you to tackle and they get the ball out pretty quick. And their defense is like not amazing, but it's not horrendous. It's it's the not amazing part that makes me stop shy of being like, oh, put them on upset alert. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um related before we hit a break uh and start to really open up the board here. 
Kansas State closes strong after yeah, third, third string quarterback Cole Ballard comes out here. Tom and I were talking in the uh, the CBS Sports new workroom, the college football workroom. Like I said, man, you give Lance Leipold tire iron, three matches, and a paperclip. We'll find a way to win a football game. Devin Neal, like they they put they get the running game going. I mean, it this was an impressive performance from Kansas, but the Jayhawks come up short at home in the Sunflower Showdown. Kansas State's defense does a good job of uh holding the Jayhawks under control in the second half. You get just enough from Kansas State's offense. Um I didn't, I didn't get just enough. I, I would like a little more. Yeah. No, I said Kansas State had just enough to win the game. <laughs> or a little oh, bit man. less from Kansas. But <laughs> dude, yeah, like like honestly, coaching job of the day is Lance Leipold. I think goes to Lance Leipold. Like yeah. you're at Kansas and you got a third string quarterback ready to do that and put up 27 points. I mean, that mm-hmm. was damn. Like if you're if you're like Texas AM or Michigan State or whomever who's trying to just like throw huge bags. He's the program. Yeah. It's it's that's he's it. Like him and Kotal Nicky, they are the program. Like when they're there, it really doesn't matter who your quarterback is at this point. You'll be fine. Might not win every game, but you'll be competing in them. Jalen Daniels was the big twelve offensive preseason. Player of the year. Jalen Daniels beat out in the preseason voting. Quinn Ewers, Will Howard, mm-hmm. Dylan Gabriel, and Jalen Daniels has played in three games. Kansas, uh, of course, you know, I am projecting that they will fall out after the loss, but they're seven and three. Seven and four now. Seven seven and four now. Um I I I would say that they are comfortably a top thirty team on anyone's if if you extended your ballot beyond twenty five, you yeah. would have them in the thirty to thirty five range. Even sure. though they probably are not gonna be twenty five. Yeah. Coming up on the other side, more of our takeaways from a surprisingly busy and noisy. Week 12 Saturday. Next. Okay. A couple different things to grab hold of. Do we want to do Diego Pavia? Yes. Okay. God, yes. <laughs> the baddest um, man in college football. My like, my muscles just like re- relax just a little bit. I, I, I feel like I'm soaking into the, the good spot. Here, here on the podcast right now. 31-10 is the result. New Mexico State goes in and beats Auburn in advance of the Iron Bowl. And as we Wait, referenced say earlier. Say that again? Who, who beat Auburn? Who? That would be New Mexico State defeats Auburn 31-10. to In Jordan-Hare Stadium. <laughs> Jesus. And they got paid $1.85 million to do it. By the way, <laughs> that's like seventy thousand per point they won by. <laughs> I mean, 
we we talked like we we've spent a lot of time talking about how there weren't any like real crazy upsets this year. Well, <laughs> I guess we finally got one. <laughs> Auburn had a streak. Have y'all seen this one? Auburn had a streak of 49 straight non-conference home game wins yeah. against unranked teams. The last time that the Auburn Tigers have lost at home in a non-conference game to an unranked team was 2007. And the interesting thing about that loss is that defeat was to South Florida, a team that jumped up into the top three of the BCS <laughs> rankings that season. So should New Mexico State be ranked? Because what Well, I've got, I've got more facts and stats for that, too. Because New Mexico State has New Mexico State is nine and three, right? Yeah, yeah. They're nine and three yeah. this season. It's the most wins in a season since going eleven and zero in 1960. New Mexico State as a program won eight total games between 2018 and 2021. So the 2018, mm-hmm. 2019, 2020, and 2021 season produced eight wins. And Jerry Kill has led that team to nine wins this Dagum season. It's because he's respecting the troops. I've told you guys for weeks, Jerry Kill got his military appreciation gear, and he's like, oh, I like this swag much better than what New Mexico State gives me. Like he, he's been wearing the petite, like, like he's been wearing all the military. Pre- he just keeps appreciating. And like they played today, like they had the power of the troops behind it. Like, like Jerry Kill's a really, really good coach, man. Yeah. And like, like, I'm, I'm happy for that guy because wasn't it like the seizure stuff that kind of yeah. made, mm-hmm. made him have to quit? Mm-hmm. And it feels like he he's found a spot that like it just I, I talked to somebody who goes to Mexico State practice. He's like, man, he yells at those kids for the entirety of the practice and they turn around and they love him for it. Like because they, they know it's coming from a good spot or at least, you know, perceive it to be right. Like it, it's man, I'm I'm uh, I'm happy for him. That was awesome. Also, like. If you're being recruited by Auburn, you could ask for like the biggest bag in the world right now, right? Like, because all the players I'm a five star considering the Tigers. Look, me, do you, you have any? Would you like to offer me a premium for payment for my commitment? Because you guys just lost to Mexico State. So, like, if you're because this is the second year in a row Jerry Kill has beaten Hugh Freeze, he, he beat him at Liberty last year, like 44 to 19 at Liberty. Like if if you're Mississippi State, are you thinking we should hire Jerry Kill because at least we'll get that win over Auburn every year? Like, <laughs> all right, it checks the boxes. Do you run a unique offense that's difficult to prep for that somebody could overlook you? Yes. Mm-hmm. See, develop. Mm-hmm. Does he mm-hmm. win everywhere he's been? Mm-hmm. Even New Mexico State. At New Mexico State, he is going on the road and beating Auburn. Yeah, just saying. I still think kill or I still think Freeze gets this right, but that that that's a hell of a win for them. Because oh, by the way, Pavia was like really banged up in this, and all week I'm like, are they really going to play him? Because they got to go play the Conference USA Championship game coming up. Which sure, they, yeah. Like, do you want to like let let Auburn in my mind tee off on a banged up quarterback who's extremely important to what you do? Do you want to tell Diego Pavia he can't play? <laughs> Because I don't probably just pissed all over Auburn, man. <laughs> um, we're about to have a busy coaching carousel. Jerry Kill. I mean, I listen. I, I'm, I'm sincere. He won at Northern Illinois. 
He won at Minnesota. He's winning at freaking New Mexico State. I don't think he's going to get like a major job, but I think if I'm a power five school and I've got it like a mid to lower tier Mississippi State, I don't think that would be a terrible hire. I don't think he's going to be number one on anybody's board, but I think you'd be happy with him. If uh, if Kansas did open, and it's an if, because obviously I think Kansas is going to try like hell to keep Lance Leipold. If it did open, that one makes a hell of a lot of sense. Uh-huh. Like a guy who has a proven track record for winning in places you can't win in, or they, they, they say you can't win in. Shocker here. Vibes take. There is a difference in what you're trying to sell to your boosters and what you're trying to sell to your fan base when you have fired a coach and have to replace them versus when a coach leaves and then you have to replace them. And Jerry Kill seems like a great option if you have just lost a coach to another job and you need someone to come in, provide some stability, and might be able to help continue whatever was working so well that your coach got hired away. And so I don't, in the coaching carousel conversation, if I was to make a blind prediction, I think Jerry Kill's probably a domino hire more than a mm-hmm. home run hire for somebody who just fired a coach. Mm-hmm. The chat is saying that Jerry Kill is from Kansas. He is. Good. What other show is going to spend like 10 minutes on Jerry Kill? Like Jordan's going to cut this as a VOD. It's going to do like seven views. And you know what? <laughs> we love the live chat for it. So if you guys like this kind of stuff, please. You may be the only people who watch this because this will not hit in search at all. I guarantee you. So hit that like button for you us, know, if you will. To keep it going. Going back to the Mississippi State gig. If you're looking for somebody with SEC experience who can put up 77 points in a game, did you see what Butch Jones in Arkansas State did to Texas State today? <laughs> can you remember a team that has had a bigger turnaround in terms of like just the energy they are, they are showing mm-hmm. on the field than what Arkansas State has had. Like, during the season, not like one year to the next. Like, right. They Arkansas look State dead in the water uncoached. in week three. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, they quit in the preseason? That's great. Like, and now, do you think they knew Rayner was that good, the quarterback switch that they made, and like they are like they were silently protesting? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I think they lucked into it, and they've just yes. been like, Woo. No, no, I mean the players. Like, do you think the players were protesting that, the, like, the staff not playing Rayner? Because – but this didn't is, Rainer just – I don't think he was a – was he a early enrollee? Didn't he just show up this summer? He played in the Shrine Bowl, but I – yeah, maybe he was a summer kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, only like one team has really made him look bad, honestly. Troy, Troy right? That's it, yeah. yeah. And Troy – yeah, I mean, Troy's pretty good. So, like, Sunbelt-wise. Wild stuff. Um, Speaking of the coaching carousel, we referenced it earlier, but – did did Chip Kelly save his job with the 38 to 20 win against USC that gets the victory bell painted blue? Oh. Did you see Mullen's tweet? Yes. It was awesome. But yeah. Dan, you know you know what that tweet signifies? Dan Mullen is officially a member of the media now. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like, I don't know if Dan Mullen is interested in getting back into coaching because somebody who's still trying to coach doesn't really take public shots at coaches like that. Just something to think about. What was the what was it? Oh, he tweeted. He said, are we sure that Jip Kelly is the L.A. coach on the hot seat? <laughs> <laughs> 
And again, coaches do not take public shots at that, like at other coaches when they plan to be coaching. Obviously, shout out to Dan. You know, he's a big fan of the podcast, I'm sure. Um, Sup, Dan. Sup, Dan. That's good. Glad, glad to have you as one of us um, here on the media side. What happened? Did did y'all get a lot of eyes on this game? I mean, obviously, it's the most beautiful uniform match. No. Okay, good. All right. Um, UCLA was able to get pretty good matchups via formation, and they kind of knew, I thought, what they were going to get. And they didn't play amazingly on offense, to be honest, but they, they did play fairly physical. Garbers didn't truly mess anything up. It was fairly tight, but I was like, I kind of feel like UCLA is going to score almost every time they have the ball if they can. And I, I was I was wrong about that, but man, they their defense, like Caleb was running for his life. It looked like the Notre Dame game for mm. USC uh-huh. all over again. And we said, is this the best defense they've played since? And we all pulled Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. And UCLA might even be better on defense be than the Irish. Yeah. yeah. Like if not, they're pretty close. And I, I am so pissed off at myself for this because I went five and one in the six pack again this week. This is the only game I lost. I had it in the locks. I lost it. And I was too focused on the whole Chip Kelly thing. And I didn't think about the basic tenet of what happens to USC anytime it plays a physical football team. Mm. It gets the crap beat out of it. And that is it exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. They yeah. just got beat up again. Every single freaking time this team goes up against a team that will punch you in the mouth, they don't get back up. They just kind of lay down. And that's precisely what happened here. And then after the game, Caleb Williams and USC made sure that everybody knew that it was not their choice. Caleb Williams elected not to talk to the media. So it's... Well, their season is done. I, I He doesn't have well, to. Well, the bowl game... <laughs> Still, though, he doesn't have to, but it's not a – I mean, I don't, I'm not going to play like, oh, it's he's, it's disgraceful that he's not doing his job. I'm just saying it's a bad look. And it's also a bad look for me because a few weeks ago, I wrote a column saying USC is going to go to the Big Ten and finish 7-5, and five, and USC gave me the double bird by going 7-5 and five in the Pac-12 first. So I just look like an idiot. With Caleb, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All is not well at USC, I think. No. Um. We'll we'll see how how that progresses. I I I would not fire Chip Kelly, right? Like, Ooh, I I think Chip Kelly uh, could do a better job in some areas, right? Probably like inspiring the fan base a little bit more. Like their their ticket sales right now, they look it looks bad, and they could do a better job. I think in high school recruiting, the the fan base could also do a better job with NIL. But I do think at its core, like Chip Kelly, what? We won nine games at UCLA last year. You've had three quarterbacks get hurt this year. And you've had like two really disappointing losses. The Arizona State loss is kind of unforgivable. But if you beat USC by three scores, that helps. I'm more forgiving mood today than I was probably on Friday. And, I mean, you basically, you had had, like Dante Moore, a freshman, he he threw some bad pick sixes in some games. They're still a decent team. When, when they have at least one quarterback. Right. The To me, if you were a critic, the idea that you are hiring Chip Kelly and the offense is inept is frustrating. Right. That's fair. Like, I, I, I totally get that. Um, as, a, as a member of the Chip clan, obviously, I root for all chips. I, ho- I wish nothing but success for Chip and 
all chips around the world. Um, listen, we've got nearly, man, we got thousands. And I'm not like, I'm not trying to brag. You're, you're listening to this at home. We have thousands of people that are watching live with us in the Cover 3 tailgate. We appreciate every one of you. But we first want to ask that you like the video, okay? When we say smash that subscribe, smash that like, I know it sounds like it's just rhythm, but like we really do mean it. It does a lot to help us. Also, we're working on a project right now, a little, you know, holiday gift for all the Cover 3, uh, everybody in the Cover 3 family, everybody in the Cover 3 tailgate. We want to know from you either, you know, right now in the Cover 3 tailgate in the chat or holler at us on Twitter at the Cover 3 podcast. What have been some of your favorite moments from 2023? We're, we're crowdsourcing this. We've got our list, but we want to make sure because you're the people that we would do this kind of project for working on a project. What have been some of your favorite moments from the 2023 season? Uh, we're trying to figure out how to get our hands on all of those right now. We don't want to miss any of them. So we appreciate you in advance. Again, if you're watching live in the Cover 3 tailgate, uh, smash that subscribe, smash that like, and also let us know what have been some of your favorite moments from the season. If you're listening at home, holler at us uh, at Cover 3 Podcast on Twitter uh, as we continue to work on that. We appreciate your submissions i guess in advance coming up on the other side opening up the full board all of our takeaways dumping out the notebook from week 12 next back here on the cover three podcast tom if if you uh I, look here, here's I actually Bud, where do you want to go is there, is there one game you want to go to because i do think that tom and i maybe owe the audience a homer's corner um, but we, I don't, I don't want to selfishly take us there, especially, um, given the frustrations that that might involve. I actually want to hear, I, I, I watched Clemson UNC. I did not watch Illinois, Iowa. I, I kind of, are there any takeaways that we need? From Illinois, Iowa. Cause I, I, yeah. I was on Clemson US. Correct. Yeah. UNC too. Yeah. Uh, Oh, this is gonna be good. <laughs> well, first of all, pat myself on the back for being right about John Paddock all week. Yay! Um, Illinois should have won that game. Illinois blew that game. They gave it away. They had a, they were facing a fourth and one at the Iowa six. They were up by a point. It was ten to nine. And instead of going for it, they kicked a field goal to go up by four. So they extended their one-score lead to a one-score lead, although they changed, obviously, needing a field goal to a touchdown. But the same purpose for doing that is the same reason you should have just gone for it on fourth down, because if you don't get it, do you really think Iowa's going to drive 96 yards on you? Probably not. You've been kind of shutting them down for the most part all day. Um, Yeah, it was, a, it was an Iowa-Illinois game, like, Illinois' offense was not terrible. They were able; they couldn't really run the ball, which is a problem. Caden Fagan was banged up; he didn't play. Reggie Love got banged up and had to leave the game numerous times. Isaiah Williams caught eight passes for 105 yards. Iowa, the first two possessions looked really freaking good on offense. Like they scripted some stuff open. They got Caleb Brown open a lot. They had, you know, they kind of knew what Illinois was going to do on defense, and they took advantage of it. And then once they got off script, they really couldn't do a whole lot. Illinois started getting pressure on Deacon Hill, who was just 
doing his best Ben Roethlisberger impression of standing in the pocket for five minutes waiting for somebody to hit him. It was a, uh, yeah, it was an ugly game. The Illinois had a very good chance to win. They didn't deliver the kill blow when they could, and then Iowa did the thing it does, where it just kind of grinds you down, and then eventually Johnson broke for a long touchdown run to win the game, and after that. It was over. Everybody hugged Brian Ferentz. Very emotional, happy scene. Happy for them. But yeah, just uh, Iowa is your Big Ten West champion. So Brian Ferentz did not keep his job. They did not come close or have not come close to meeting the parameters of his contract. They lost all their tight ends. They lost like a thousand guys. They did not have Cooper DeGene in this. They lost their transfer QB and they're nine and two and they've clinched the division with more than a week to go. So, I mean, just the the piece to resist on for Iowa football. What well, what else is there to say? The, the, when they use that timeout, basically just tell Brian Brian Ferentz how much they loved him. Like, like it, I, I was like, what? They're just they're just talking about the good old times here. And then like he, <laughs> it was kind of cool for him to see him like like give his dad a. Big they run. do love you know? him. Like yeah. it's not like the players and the coaches love him. It's the fans who aren't exactly big time fans. This is an excellent comment, by the way. <laughs> What Dogwood Maple in the chat says, Brett Bielema meeting his wife at the blackjack tables and yet not going for the touchdown does not make any sense. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. Is that the just, origin story of uh, his relationship with his uh, his spouse? I believe so. At least that's the rumor. Casino oh. related. I don't know if it's blackjack or not. Yeah. But it, it, yeah. Just it was did not like that decision at all. Well, Tom, did you get to watch much of uh, Clemson's win against North Carolina? Because you got to watch a great competition of who's going to lose more. Okay? Because we got two football teams with a proud history. They played for the ACC championship last year. Not playing for the ACC championship this year. So they're just trying to lose less. And Clemson lost a little less. Turnovers, 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 turnovers. Um, poor execution. It was... I mean... Uh, but but I don't want to take the wheel here. You know, what what were your big takeaways here? Um, I thought Clemson ran the football pretty effectively, which I guess is not a huge surprise. Like like UNC Rundies had some time like some problems this year at times. Uh, Clemson almost gave this thing away again with, with another turnover inside the red zone. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, Clemson. We're going to do this again. Like, well, welcome back to being number one in the country and turnovers in the red zone. And then they, I, I thought Klubnik played okay, like not amazing, but decent. Just, I don't know. Like, it's hard to watch a game like that and not have a whole lot of takeaways. But it. Listen, uh, it's you know, like not eleven very, points better. My very first note remains uh, honestly like one of the things that I gravitate to the most, which is. In the very beginning, I was like, man, this sucks for Marion Hampton because that dude has been crushing it this season, and he had two fumbles inside the 10-yard line in the first half. I mean, that's 14 points. Yeah. It's not there. And guess what? He still finishes with 180 yards and three touchdowns. Man, could have had five touchdowns in this game. But procedural yeah. penalties, fumbles, turnovers like the last interception oh uh, the other note here like of course nate wiggins had a tremendous performance nate wiggins is going to be in the nfl like there's the the reasons that you 
still maintain like the reason why Bud Elliott was still here saying Clemson is still a top 15 team in terms of power rating is because of the talent that was still on that roster that players like Trotter, Carter, Wiggins, like dudes that are extremely talented going to be in the NFL and that uh, they, they showed up with enough plays uh, today against North Carolina. Drake only being sacked four times is sort of a credit to Drake may. Yeah, and, and I thought his, he was like his mobility to get out of the, out of some right. stuff was was pretty good. Like they they had some pressure. I don't know. I was about to say, you know, who had a really bad day today? Fans of terrible NFL teams hoping Caleb Williams and Drake May can save them. <laughs> so are are the Bears thought, in line for the number one pick? I thought Drake. Hey, how yeah. about this? I, I through Carolina. I, yeah. Oh, got it. Okay. I Drake had some awesome throws in this game. He had long throws to JJ Jones, Tez Walker. Like he had- Williams had some awesome throws too. It's just all the other plays, Jim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tough, uh, tough scene for the North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, they they take a loss coming out of that, uh, and and Clemson continues its. Uh, <laughs> Clemson <laughs> continues its uh, its stock surge. Uh, now seven and four. Uh, UNC falls to eight and three. All right. App State 26, James Madison 23. I, like a lot of people, jumped in on this in the fourth quarter. I didn't see how we got there, but. So I watched most of this. Okay, so were you in at 10 to five? I'm just scoreboard watching it 10 to five and 17 to five. And then I jump in. So please, please set it up for me. So App's defense, which has been really poor this year at times. Correct. Like, 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 guys, this is like one of the worst Sunbelt defenses. Comes up with like an effort for the ages for about like the first 45 or so minutes of this game. They're harassing Jordan McLeod. Like he's not able to complete passes. Like the, they're holding up at the line of scrimmage. And I think we've all been a little skeptical of this Jamie passing game compared to what it was in prior years. Like, like they if you watched him against Troy, if you watched him that, that night against Marshall, like you're like, okay, there, there are some potential leaks in their game here with the pass game. App did a nice job getting pressure on McLeod. And offensively, like they move they've been pretty good on offense all year. The uh I don't what, what what's App's quarterback's name? He was the backup, but he kind of just Aguilar. Aguilar. Aguilar, yeah. Like, yeah. He played decently, man. Like it was it was a nice effort from App and, and it, it sucks to see Jamie lose at home, but um they they played hard, man. They they wanted this one. Curse of Max Delente. James Madison hadn't lost until he showed up. That's what people are saying anyway. Don't put his driver's license out here. Just saying. <laughs> Curse of Max Delente. Oh, yeah. Ag- Joey Aguilar in this game uh throws for 318 yards and three touchdowns with one interception. It was a game where um I saw Again, admittedly, dropped in a little bit late, but um, in the post game, you're you're listening to uh, to Sean Clark, and he's talking, and I kind of thought that he was just spitting that sunshiny stuff on a lot of the local media in the, with the close losses that App State was taking, and he was like, and he was doing almost the Dabo thing. It's like, look, you know, we're like we're right there, you know, we we are right there. And now they've they've turned this thing around, man. Like I, yeah, 
there would have been a vibe if App State had lost this game but represented the Sunbelt East. Like, oh, you're not really the Sunbelt East champs. And even though their record conference-wise may not be as good as James Madison's, you went into their house and beat them when they had no losses on the season. So if App State is able to close this thing out, if App State does end up making the Sunbelt Championship game to go up against Troy, you are dealing with a group that I feel like has earned it on the field. So in the midst of all of this James Madison post-game eligibility discussion, like I, I, I do think the Mountaineers were, uh, were able to go and get it done in a, in a good win uh, there against the Dukes. What else? We're going to talk about Mizzou, Florida. Oh, man. You don't think that's out of bounds to talk about? Why would it be at? Oh, is that? Oh, because he ran out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, it's 1240 in the morning. Like that. That's relative to the time. That's a decent joke. Maybe. So so you think Trevor, you think if Trevor ETN does not go out of bounds, Florida wins the game. I haven't done the math on it. I think it drastically helped them because Mm -hmm. Missouri had time to throw an extra pass to get down close. Like they, but they, it was no, going to be like a 50-yarder. Like, like, like the other thing that helped him was Florida not realizing that Missouri was running plays for most of that possession. They were like, what were they doing? There were two gratuitous pass completions for Missouri. <laughs> yes. All right? the, thicker, the thicker kicker could have made it when they got it in field goal range the first time. And then they just got closer, and then they got closer. I will say so, there were three gratuitous completion <laughs> let's not forget the fourth and 17 where luther burden just kind of jogged down the field into the giant vacant hole in the zone and stood there and said hey i'm here and brady cook threw to him like that what again i have no idea what florida was doing on defense that entire possession i don't think they knew yeah that florida's defense continues to confuse me like i at this point i know they're not very good but I, i'm like how are they not a little bit better did the overcash Oh, yeah, of course. All right, good. Had to, right? Yeah. I mean, look, 64. Was it 59 or 57, somewhere on there? It closed at 57. I got okay. it. I locked it up at 58 and a half. Yeah. Did um, you not see the new Frankie Trust the Process graphic? Oh, we did. Yeah. And I, I let Lynn know that I had nothing to do with this. This was not my. <laughs> no, no, was no. That's no, one from the show. I, I debuted a new one tonight. Yeah. Do you have it? Do we, do we have it here for the. Do we have it here for our loyal audience on YouTube? No, but I could, I don't know. <laughs> Jordan finds it and put it up. I don't have time to look for it. Uh, Jordan says he's getting it. <laughs> so Brian Kelly would love oh, uh, to Graham Mertz, say. Graham uh, Mertz collarbone injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, the day was filled with bad quarterback injuries. Yeah. Tough. Um, Brian Kelly really wants to say he coached a Heisman Trophy winner. Jaden Daniels. LSU media really wants to say Brian Kelly coached the Heisman Trophy winner. No, too, no, no, no. L- Booger LSU. and Pete Burns were out there like, are you seeing these numbers Jaden Daniels is putting up tonight? Don't mention it's Georgia State. I don't care. It's eight <laughs> touchdowns. Talk about gratuitous. They also kind of needed it because like LSU's defense did the whole like, hey, we suck thing for like the first 20 minutes of this game. Like Georgia State was moving on them. Like, really? LSU, you're not going to cover this game? But it was you're, you're, 35 to, what, 35-14 at halftime? Yeah, but it was 14-all yes. with, with with like probably eight or nine minutes left to go in the second half. 
or first half. It's Jane Daniels was in the game long enough in a blowout that I wrote one version of a story to turn in and then had to go in and add another touchdown. Okay. I was like, the little blurb, and you can go see it on CBSports.com right now, uh, as it has just gone live, said something along the lines of, you know, LSU's ranking will not be adjusted by a blowout win against Georgia State, though Jane Daniels may have improved his Heisman chances with a seven-touchdown win. And then you got to go in and go, tick, 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 eight-touchdown win, because you're just pouring it on and padding stats. And I don't hate it. You know, that's, that's no, the game. I don't game. hate it either. Because when... You, you're dealing with a historic performance from Jane Daniels in terms of the season as a whole. Why not just throw on that extra touchdown? I mean, Oregon was doing the same thing for Bo Nix today. Like, let's not try to sugarcoat anything. It's, it's just, yeah, it's it, it happens because at the end of the year for the voters when they're comparing players, it's not like, well, this touchdown was against this team. It's just, oh wow, look at all those touchdowns he scored. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't think he has it locked up. No, but. I think he's got to be a heavy favorite right now to win the whole thing. He just won't have conference championship weekend. No, but that also means he won't have a chance to play poorly on conference True. championship weekend. But I'm saying he doesn't get the final word. Like mm-hmm. Bo Nix, Michael Penix will go out and we'll go money in the bank style. We'll put the Heisman Trophy and then maybe the glass shatters and Jane Daniels comes in and rolls off with it. Like that's kind of the way I yeah, that's kind of the way I see the Heisman Trophy race right now as we sit here. Um, let's see. Uh, speaking of school records, was it Oregon for Bo Nix ties the single game school record with six passing touchdowns? Troy Franklin, new uh, single season receiving yards record for him. You know, we always talked about Oregon's pass game. Who's going to be the alpha? We identified Franklin going into the year. He has absolutely lived up to it. Uh, also, totally random note here. Congratulations to Malik Washington, Virginia's new single season receiving yards uh, record holder. A lot of, well, you know, a lot of little notes and tidbits floating out around there. So, I want to give them some shine here in the late hours of the podcast. Michigan picked up its 1,000th win of all time. Wolfpack. Wolfpack. My season win total over. Never doubted it for a minute. It's a good win. That's, yeah. That was like, hey, you've been playing Boston College and Pitt, and now, like, we're going to, like, as a reminder, NC State's defense is still really damn physical, and their corners are going to the NFL. Um, Good luck. Jordan's got the graphic ready, by the way. It got a little bit dicey as Virginia Tech stormed back into the game. Kind of felt like NC State had put it away. I'd moved it off to the side, but. Well, NC State couldn't get any first downs. Like, NC State, please gain a first down, like, at some point, so we can, like, run a little bit of time off the clock here, maybe. But you're on the road. You're in Lane Stadium. I understand. All right, let's see the uh, the graphic. God, that's good. You made that? Uh, No, Lynn made it. Lynn? You got Lynn on board with this now? Yeah. You know, I'm very influential, very charismatic. I wooed her. That's true. <laughs> you know how good a recruiter I am? Check out my wife. That's right. <laughs> or was it like, all right, 
if we're going to use Frankie on a gambling graphics celebration, like it needs to at least look good, which is <laughs> it looks excellent. Thank you. Yeah, really. Thank you. Yeah. I'm what like book her. is this? It's just a sports book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's actually that is my basement. So. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So what else? Uh, what else stands out from the day? Ohio State completely crushed Minnesota. So that's two weeks in a row where Ohio State's just killed people. But we talked about it a little bit. Like Kyle McCord only threw for 212 yards, even in the 37 through win. The good news is Trevion Henderson ran all over a Minnesota defense that hasn't been as good as last year's defense, but it's still a pretty solid defense. And they kind of got what they wanted. But Marvin Harrison didn't really do a whole lot. So I, if you were hoping, holding out hope for him to win a Heisman, I think that very much died today. Tend to agree. I, Ohio State does some creative stuff on offense. It just McCord, when he has to, like it, there's sort of a Ewers thing going on there, except he's not as talented as Ewers is. You know what I mean? Like, like as far as like if he has to drop back, kind of read it out himself, you, you're passing down situations. But like the, hey, screw it, Marv's down there somewhere, generally will work. So, yeah. I, I thought Minnesota played hard. Um, I thought some of the blitz packages from Minnesota were pretty nice, actually. Like they, they got some pressure on them, and that was good. Arizona. Mm. Like I know Utah is really banged up, and they, they were missing like three of their top D linemen, but it's still hard to do what they did. I mean, that that's a nice win. And Cole really Bishop. Nice yeah. I mean, dudes, like I don't know. I I was pretty impressed there. I mean, you, you go. I mean, 42 points, first three drives out the gate are just, like, they're real drives. I mean, 70, like, let's call them all all 70-plus touchdown drives and not, like, just a, a flukish explosive play. I mean, it, they were 21 nothing out the gate. It was it was really damn impressive by Arizona. Nice work there. They're good. Uh, this is from Friday night, but I wanted to give a shout-out to Frank Harris, who just completely destroyed South Florida. <laughs> Threw for three touchdowns, ran for three touchdowns, 411 yards passing, 112 yards rushing. Just, I think that might have been his final home game at the Alamo Bowl, at the Alamo Dome for the Roadrunners and uh, went out in style. Bowling, Georgia Tech. Congrats. Congrats to Brent Key. Still alive for a bowl. Washington State. That's right. Got it done. I did not know that Bud had taken my crown of rooting for injuries until I woke up on Saturday morning. I didn't watch the game, but he was like, man, that was an awesome game. And I was like, oh, man, it was an awesome game. It must have been a shootout. So I opened up my computer, and I'm like, let's see what happened in Washington State, Colorado. And Shador got knocked out of the game. That did suck. Shador Early in tough, the second man. quarter. I, I just didn't know that you were staying up late, fist pumping injuries. Jesus. <laughs> I was the one apparently who was, you know, the long myth or fact, who knows? TPD. Chip 100% roots for injuries. <laughs> Chip lives well, to see bones sticking out of skin. <laughs> um, yeah, no, listen, Washington State has had it so bad. The cathartic feeling of being able to kick the absolute like you know what out of somebody just probably was awesome 
So, like you mentioned, they're bowl eligible. The injury issues have been awful. What was it? Uh, like two defensive touchdowns and a special teams touchdown, and you just jumped out to this big lead and just sat on it? They wanted it. Like, like look, I, I think they would play hard regardless. But we we said this like two months ago. Teams care about playing Colorado like they're Georgia because they know if they lose, they're going to end up on a reality TV show and every social media famous. Like they don't want to get posterized by that team. And if you're not like Colorado doesn't suck, but they're also not good. And if you're just like a below average level team, you're not used to everybody treating you like, like you're the Super Bowl. Like it would be very useful for Colorado to have somebody be like, yeah, whatever, it's Colorado, and kind of sleepwalk through a game and allow it to be easier to win. Like, you could tell Washington State wanted that thing badly. Like, every single time they're th- like that they sack Shador or they get a good play, they're throwing up the wristwatch celebration. Like, that's a tough thing to deal with. Georgia can deal with that because they have a million five-stars and, like, just total freakazoid athletes on the field. Colorado does not. So, like, that is tough for them. I think it kind of wears on you. Shout out to uh, Notre Dame for playing Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You over a Sam Hartman highlight video during today's game against Wake Forest. In the stadium? Are, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on the on you, the video board. Are you aware of the Sam Hartman like Instagram stuff? No. no. My wife was like, who is this? Oh, yeah. Lynn has the same reaction to Sam Hartman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's the quarterback. He used to play for Wake Forest. Now he plays in Notre Dame. She's like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's like he looks like a good quarterback <laughs> yeah right is is he more famous on uh is he more famous on like mom twitter than he is on <laughs> like for football uh like sam I, heart throb the the thing is since he is in his 12th year of college football he's probably closer to mom twitter than he is to college Twitter. I mean, yeah. You know? Yes. I mean, he's a... And think about it, you know, like dinner parties. It's very wake and Notre Dame, you know? So it's sort of in line with the vibe. Um, oh, can we talk about a real targeting that occurred? The, the uh, I, I'm usually against the idea of targeting, but I will say we finally got one. The Boston College safety yes. looked like a salmon jumping out of the river to attack this guy at the high point. Like, and I know he missed a little bit, but like it, <laughs> he that that was probably like I was going to argue like because he actually missed, he should probably not be ejected. But like that that looked a little bit like targeting to me, or what we think we. What we think we're trying to take out of the game. And I think that's how we know like the rule works a little bit because you don't see that anymore very often. Like that was unique. He straight up said, I don't want to be in this game anymore. <laughs> and he almost won. Yeah. yeah. Nuts. I had I I legitimately had like people earnestly arguing that that wasn't targeting. And I was like, are you freaky? That is like if they drew a picture of it in the dictionary, that's exactly what it would look like. Because I do think like even though they don't say it, they try to use intent a little bit for targeting still. Like when they get under the hood, you know, an earpiece guy be like, all right, this is total BS. This, like this receiver just ducked into this thing like like crazy 
how, how can we like get out of this this targeting call right for that one even though it wasn't like an amazing hit the intent was clearly to like, <laughs> didn't use the arms he's like it's just like <laughs> yeah it looked like a, like a soccer header who was cr7 <laughs> cristiano ronaldo i'm cristiano ronaldo he was heading to right. get a corner kick yeah all right Fidel, um, your bias towards oregon yeah for that'll sure aff- that'll affect how you vote for the cfp according to the comment section yeah, well tony yayo needs to give up that yayo he's getting a little cloudy in the brain yeah wait affecting how tom votes on tom, the C- apparently like we we just discovered that tom has a vote in in the cfp I do. come on buddy come on those little, put on your tinfoil hat it ain't tom all right I got one more shout out. Yeah. To our to our former co-host here, Yale coming through with a big win over Harvard to clinch the Ivy League title. Congratulations to all the nerds who went to Yale. Wasn't Harvard actually good this year? I don't know. Like that like that's an upset, I think. I heard it on NPR. <laughs> We will be back on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) On Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time uh, for a pun further review. More notes and thoughts from the week that was setting the table for uh, Rivalry Week. A little bit of a a note about programming. So, uh, compressed week. Monday, we're going to do a pun further review. Tuesday will be Wednesday's normal show. We'll be doing big game breakdowns, uh, getting into some more headlines. Of course, coaching carousel uh, constantly churning. Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. That's when we're going to be doing our locks for week 13. So again, Monday, upon further review. Tuesday, big game breakdown. Wednesday, locks. And then a happy Thanksgiving to you and yours uh, as we go into the final week of the regular season. So make sure that you are subscribed on the audio side and especially on YouTube.com slash Cover 3. We appreciate all y'all for hanging out. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Blood Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Go Ducks. See y'all.